Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani and Tad. We are all back from Italy. Tad, welcome back, man. It's been three weeks without you. I'm ready. How are you holding up right now, man? I'm pretty wiped out, but hey, you know, back in the saddle. Fun to uh, be back on the podcast. I actually really quite enjoyed listening to you guys and having zero contribution towards the success or lack thereof of the podcast and just getting to be a fan um you know thanks to sam for filling in for me well thanks for rating commenting dude <laughs> I, I was the first he person the to first. rate and comment first actually, when we started this actually that was leslie but forever i'm gonna be that guy that outwardly appears that he commented yes. on his own podcast that's about right no i mean i would say some of the highlights of listening to you guys were the question uh, Sam asked is, what was the highlight of your trip to Rome? And Marco, you know, it's like, oh, just going in the coffee shop and getting getting a coffee. And I'm like, wait a minute. How about my wedding, bro? He's, he's been burning about that since he got How back. How about my wedding? I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad that, you know, the, the beautiful ceremony in Villa Borghese, followed up by the reception at De Rossi, was an excuse for you to go have your 15,000th coffee. It's pretty good, man. Rome. You know, I just, you know, I wouldn't have minded a little a, a little espresso bar next to the there, spritzes. There, there was an espresso bar. <laughs> it, it will always be nice to have two of our good friends getting married at Villa Borghese with the sun setting. That was very nice. Give us the other highlights for you on your end since we've already done it. Oh, man. Well... The wedding, obviously, was amazing. I was going to see if he was going to do it himself. (laughs) Perfect day. Perfect day. Followed up by not such a perfect day with the the derby being absolute trash and me ending the game with my face in my hands. Um, And also missing the DeRossi goal because I was in the can. That, That really, really stung deep. But all of that couldn't be outdone by afterwards, after we interviewed... Richard Whittle and uh, Marco Palmieri is getting a phone call from my dad that my gra- my uh, uh, aunt had fallen and needs an ambulance, yeah. only to find out that she has broken her femur bone and spending 10 hours in the Pronto Socorso in Jumeli Hospital where no one speaks English and me getting the crash course in being a medical Italian translator. Yeah, right. Unreal, um, man. To my Aunt Jan, who's going to need surgery the next day, and they said, oh, she's going to spend months here. That was that was pretty intense, but <laughs> I got to lick my wounds. I mean, obviously, Jan had a terrible time. I had to lick my wounds with the week in Tuscany at an absolute amazing villa, hanging out with some close family and friends, and then shedding all of that for a week-long, relaxing Sicilian trip. That was just absolutely... I, mean, I was saying to you guys yesterday, I felt like a turd. I lived in Italy for eight years and never once went to Sicily, and it's just absolutely an amazing place. But very hard, if you're in Catania or Syracuse, to track down one of the team soccer jerseys. I was really looking forward to oh, scooping really? up one really? of those. Yeah, I couldn't find yeah. it anywhere. Yeah. They, like the Catania used to have a... Used to have a uh, uh, 
a store downtown and so i asked about it at like its info point and this guy's like oh no it's not you know he looks it up online for me oh, by the way everyone in sicily is super nice um My he people. looks he looks it up for me and uh he's like oh no it's closed and i'm like are they in Serie B? He's like, no. And I'm like, Lega Pro. And he's like, yeah, that's probably why the store closed. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. I mean, getting back on Saturday night, my head's in the clouds. I'm still super jet lagged. Um, you know, I, I don't need to eat any pasta or speak any Italian for a very long time now. That, that thirst has kind of been quenched to the point where like three or four times a day, Somebody'd say something to me in English, and I'm like, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, so, but the pastas, man, I'm ar- I'm already freaking craving those things. So, so good. I spent three weeks never being hungry. It's just kind of yeah. like waddling from one, f- you know, four or five course meal to the next. Hopefully, walking it off on the the, the ancient streets of Italy. But you're Hoping, right, man. Yeah. But not really. Yeah. Especially yeah. the last week there, and I, I I don't need any wine for a while. So, but, yeah. Well, that what? was absolutely amazing. I mean, I got this thing on my finger now that, uh, you know, I did my best to lose in the <laughs> sands of Sicily. Um, you know, I'll put together a little album for all the Curve Americans out there of the highlights of my trip. I'll be that guy. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Well, welcome back. I'm super excited that you enjoyed Sicily in particular, where uh, my folks, my, my distant family is from but uh glad that you had a good time down there well leslie and i went to her ancestral homeland of nicosia which is just another totally crazy place i've never heard of on top of a friggin' mountain yeah like it's lord of the rings uh it's and, rohan yeah and you know i got this this thing where i felt like schmeagel the whole time anyways carrying around this uh this new ring on my finger that's very very plain but yeah i mean that was super special for leslie to go back to you know the town where at least the Italian side of her family all started, and just how like hyped all the Sicilians were that were there, and were like you know trying to track down anybody with her last name and stuff like that. It was it was it was really cool. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Strongly recommend everyone do, does that. For all my folks out in Conakoti, the podcast Paisani there, my my love and support to your city. <laughs> uh, for those of us who couldn't stay for the whole time that you were in Italy, Tad. Uh, I wanted to bring this up. Master of None is a new Netflix show in season two, and uh, it opened up back in Italy, where uh, the main character, Dez, Aziz Ansari, is back in Modena making pasta. And I had a question for you guys. Uh, speaking Italian for the past week or so, grazie mille. We all know that one. Thousand thank yous. Mm-hmm. Prego mille. Gonna fly? Not gonna fly. No, and that if, makes no sense. Why? I don't like that. Well, it's just it's it, it would be like making up two things that you think fit together, like well, I mean, it literally means I beg of you a thousand. Um, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I guess it has to work because I always say people are always like, at, you know, even when I was doing tours in Rome, um, you know, people always ask me what prego means, and it's such a lame question to be repeatedly answered. So I just be like, hey, you know, when in doubt, say prego. Yeah. yeah. So, but prego mille, like. That's what I told my girlfriend too. That's what I was telling her. Anytime she's like, "So what does prego mean?" It's just like a couple. Just things. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does mean a couple of things. All right, just, prego mille. I wouldn't go with yeah, that. Yeah, just throw out the prego if you get in trouble. Usually, somebody will oh nod their head and say prego. But prego mille, you're if if you're trying to come across as an Italian speaker in Italy, 
that they're immediately going to know that you, that you know you you got a bad Google Translate or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Like, you guys are in lockstep with the show. Uh, uh, the the main character got shelled for using it. So, but it's down not- in Sicily, man, I I learned to pick up some uh, some fun Sicilian things. Just a real quick one out there. Buona means good, like if food is good. But like the Romanash, they say bona, which I found out from my new stepfather who's southern. Bona. That uh, basically, you're ba- uh, you know, you're, this food is so good, it gives me a bona. Um, but the Sicilians like the U, so it's like buonu. But they're like telling me like, well, in Avila... They say it like this, but in Noto, they say it like this. And these are towns that are literally three miles apart from each other. Yeah. So intense and diverse di- dialect. So to all the Sicilian people that I met there that who are not listening to this because none of you speak in English, ni veriamo Romani. Which is ci veriamo. Ci veriamo. That's good stuff. Very good. All right. Well, let's jump to sports itself, guys. Uh, the sports curse of the Capitale. We're here sitting in D.C., and uh, we got the Caps bowing out to the Penguins in uh, NHL action. Natch. At the time of recording, the Wizards are, will be playing in Game 7 against Boston. Here we go, Wizards. Roma also fighting its uh, way through uh, this, trying to get the Scudetto. We're still holding out hope here on this podcast. What do you guys think? Is there some kind of curse for the capital cities? I'm telling you, man. I mean... DC right now, it's uh, exciting times when uh, the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs are going off at the same time, but it always seems to be disappointing. Roma, kind of similar, you know, top team throughout the entire season, just can't pull it out at the end, kind of constantly failing, it seems like, throughout the season, so... Who knows? Maybe the Wizards will be able to break the curse. Well, the Wizards are basically playing for the right to get swept by LeBron James next week. Um, I was interested in listening to the Dad Lebertard show today, and they're like, do you think that LeBron could beat the Wizards and the Celtics at the same time? Which, you know, probably. The Caps, what can you say, man? Pittsburgh, man, they just got their number. I, it, it, it must be so frustrating to be a Caps fan. I'm a Caps well-wisher. Yeah. But, it, yeah, super, you dominate all season long for the last three years and, like, have been good every year out of the last 10 years, and you just can't you can't even make it to the finals. It's just unbelievable. The skins suck. That's just that. They're, they're so dysfunctional. But the, the Nats, with the Cubs being 500 this year, it looks like right now their biggest competition is going to be either the Cardinals or the Rockies, which I hate to count the Cardinals out, but Bryce Harper, man. Yeah, beast, just yeah. an absolute beast. Won't be the Mets, that's for sure. So, uh, well, Matt, yeah. Har- Matt Harvey's got to stay out of the the the, 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 <laughs> the doghouse. The do- yeah, the, the the gin mills and the yeah. gentlemen and the parlors. Yeah. yeah, yep. So, yeah, you might have a theory there, Marco. Uh, we'll see if uh, both Roma can pull it out, and maybe the Wizards and the Nats pulling it out for uh, their respective capital cities. Keeping it uh, with social media, we, we got our own uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find Curve America all on there, all one word. Uh, please find us. We also got an email set up, Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. 
And you can also find us on the website asroma360.com. They've got a tab for podcasts, and we fill that role. So, Hey, guys, I haven't been able to do this for the last three weeks, but to those of you out in podcast land, please rate and comment on iTunes. You've been doing so well. Keep it up. And it appears that I owe the podcast to rate and comment because I did not rate and comment before I, before I did ask Leslie to do it. Yep. But so, she messed it up, and my name was there. Leslie's done it. Tad has not. So that's not me. But maybe there'll be a sneaky, like, DeRossi's best friend. Yeah, right. You know, comments on the podcast. There you go. That Tad. He's got a lot of bass in his voice. Also on SoundCloud, as always, thank you, Thomas. Appreciate the feedback. All right, guys. Before we get into it, I'm drinking Los Vascos. We got, we got a Chilean wine. Definitely Rome uh, got me drinking the, uh, the, uh, the red wines. Red Tad. nectar. Tad, what do you got, man? Well, I just grabbed the only beer that was in the fridge, which I don't know how it got there. Hopefully, it's yours, Chris. It's a Shock Top Belgian White. Actually, Shock. I'm a I'm a DC Valor inaugural season ticket holder. <laughs> We're covering Shock, all the sports yeah, in this oh, podcast. Yeah. Oh, and the Valor. I actually did not follow them at all while I was in uh, in uh, uh, Italy. Sorry, Valor Dictorians, um, which is our supporters group. This is, this is too niche. People but don't know Valor. <laughs> it's arena football, man. I know, I know. And the best guy on the team's last name is Washington, which is great. <laughs> um, but man, no more no more wine for me for a while. All right. I mean, just the amazing wine in Tuscany and the amazing wine in Sicily. Went to a lot of cantinas and vineyards. Um, you know, I, I need I need to take a step back. I need to take a step back. All right. Well, welcome back. Enjoy your beer. We hope everyone can settle in. Enjoy the podcast. Let's go with the rundown. Roma get a huge win at home over the old lady, but drama is still lurking with Totti and Spalletti. Napoli beats the doors off Torino. Adelanto punch their Cinderella ticket and clinch a European berth. Forza Ladea. And Inter have decided they just want to focus on next season, starting today. And finally, my favorite, Crotone move within one point of staying up. I am really looking forward to this podcast, guys. Let's jump into the top five. All right, guys. First game, Juventus Roma, one versus two. Actually, when they played, it was one versus three. And uh, that was the final score, actually. 3 1 in Roma's favor. Roma finally passed a huge challenge to halt Juve from celebrating the Scudento at the Stadio Olimpico. What did you guys think of this game? Yeah, in classic Romanista fashion, you can get excited about this game, but you always have a sour taste in your mouth. Playing the way they did this game, they could have easily dispatched of OTFR in the derby and buried Atalanta at home as well. All of a sudden, you would see a true neck-and-neck race at the top at the end of the season. Oh, of course it's not going to be that way. It's unbelievable. When you see Roma just dominate Juve the way they did. I mean, it was a big result for Roma, uh, especially because they go down the first half after Lemina taps in Iguain's cross. Roma really showed character to bring it back, uh, and they are, are led by none other than DDR, who scores a scrappy goal off the corner. As soon as he does that, he's charging, he's getting the Fans all pumped up. We had the ball right away. I was super excited to see that. We had uh, Garen and Guillermo from Roma Club at the stadium, and they were just popping off. I think Guillermo was crowd surfing his mom down (laughs) at Stadio Olimpico's uh, 
bleachers. Yeah, and it's also I saw DeRossi in this game pull up at the last second from a couple of like terrible looking tackles mm-hmm. where he goes sliding there like oh no here's DeRossi's red and he pulls up scores a goal love it I think DeRossi's best friend is gonna have a nice rate and comment on this podcast <laughs> yeah yeah so it's uh one one going into the half and at that point anything can happen you know of course Juve still has half their bench on the bench uh, or half their team on the bench uh, but second half, Roma comes out firing. Esha and Nanguilan scored two beautiful goals. I actually think Nanguilan gets goal of the week. And besides one chance by Higuain, I think Roma really dominate possession, shooting. I mean, they played very well. Were you were you guys nervous at all watching this game? Like when you went into the Roma club, were you what were you thinking? I was thinking that we were going to go to third place and watch Juventus score this, you know, to win the Scudetto. Mainly because we were missing Strootman and missing Ed and Jekko. I just, I, I didn't see how we were going to do it. A great 4-1 victory over Milan helps, but I just thought that Juve was going to go in there and try and win this one in, in, in Stadio Olimpico. Not that they didn't, but Roma just world-class, and their, their leaders really stepped up in Nangolan and De Rossi. Juve were resting much of their team leading up to the Coppa Italia final game, which is on Wednesday against OTFR. But actually, our good friend Tancredi, Tancredi, no, how does he say it? Tancredi from BN Sports. <laughs> he makes a good point. I mean, had they won on Sunday, they would have not really even been able to celebrate. Instead, now they're focused and rested for OTFR in Rome, and we'll have a chance to win the Scudetto against the Croutons at home. And needless to say, Juve is still going to win the Scudetto at the end of the season. I think that's why I, I actually went into the game not nervous at all. I was like, you know what? I have a feeling like we're going to actually pull a result here, but it's just inevitable. And, uh, you know, with Napoli hot on, hot, hot on our trails... I was just super excited about this result, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of had the same feeling you did of just not, just empty, you know, like I wanted a result. I didn't know how I felt, uh, you know, about our chances, I guess, just just like missed opportunities have led us to this. I, I guess I was so excited leading up to the game and knowing that it wasn't going to be for the title necessarily, that, that kind of... I don't know. I just wanted to see a good game, and, and hopefully we, we put up a good fight, and, and that's as much as I could Juve hope for. Juve has owned us the last 10 games, yeah. and they've owned Spalletti. I saw somewhere that this is the first win that Spalletti's had against Juventus as Roma's coach since 2006. And so just going into it and, and watching Napoli thrash, and after seeing what happened at the end of last year, you know, our top goal scorer and one of our you know one of our top players and Kevin Strootman being out you know as we've been saying all season Juve is super deep you know if, if you see Bonucci and you see Iguain out there I was really ecstatic not see to see that they didn't start Dybala but you know I, I really from, from what I've learned as a Roma fan I'm not gonna go in there being like yeah we're gonna get yeah, this like I want to exactly. be I want to be super surprised That's rather what than heartbroken yeah and look there's just constant drama circulating around Rome. Uh, right before the game, I saw news highlights saying that, you know, Eusebio Di Francesco from Sassuolo is looking to replace Spalletti. And there's the whole Totti drama that just seems like it's never ending. I mean, finally, Spalletti puts Totti on at the end of this game. 
but it's for the last two minutes. Thought these little butt hurt about it after the game, just walks out into the tunnel without saying hi or bye to anybody. And it's disappointing, you know. I think Totti could have absolutely gone in with more time against Milan. He should have obviously gone in with the entire stadium chanting his name. I think Spalletti's just really, he's just lost the grip on the team. And look, the team's doing very well. They, they, it's second place. It's with a Juventus as strong as they are. And we, it's not over yet. Let's put things into perspective, but... Yeah, I, w- I want to touch on the first thing, the story you said with Di Francesco. Because, you know, I was calling that shot, you know, several weeks back. We were talking about this. But Chris and I, when we were on our way to the game, we were discussing it. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was so true. He's like, where did that come from? Not like we don't have anything else to be worried about today. You know, the day that we're going to play Juventus for basically the soul of the season, where, you know, if we win and stay above over Napoli with games against Chievo and games against Genoa, we're kind of in the driver's seat for the rest of our season and finishing, um, you know, in the in the in the uh, top two, which is the only thing that we can do to to salvage this as a as a as a successful season, you know, seeing that is just like oh my gosh, you know, w- what? <laughs> Hopefully, it didn't hit the locker room. Yeah. that's what you hope. Yeah, but then going on your point with with Spalletti and Totti, um, you know, this this thing has really taken on a life of its own. And I think that both, all three parties involved, that being Roma management, Spalletti, and Totti themselves, should have learned a lesson from last year when all this drama was going through. And, you know, Totti got a token start, and then he just started winning games single handedly for Roma. That, like, this is going to be a huge story of interest. And going into what was heralded as Totti's last season, all of these people need to be conscientious that this needs to be handled with a certain amount of grace. Least of all, Toti, you know, we ask a lot out of him and we ask so much. I mean, you guys were talking about on the podcast last week that he's, he's given so much to Rome instead of going somewhere else that to ask him to just be the most graceful, even when he feels slighted, might be the biggest stretch. But, you know, this, this Spalletti putting Toti on, not putting Toti on, you just just got to, at some point, like Chris said in the car, you guys got to make a baller move and just just do it. Just put him in um, that was at my, a certain time. This is my question for you guys, right? Given how the reaction from Spalletti after the Milan game was, I can't win with the press, I can't win with the fans, I put him on for five minutes, you're not happy, I don't put him in, you're not happy. Given that scenario, and probably the reason why Toti isn't playing more is because he's 40 years old and... It, it, he's still a fantastic player. I get that. But can he run a full 45 minutes, a full 90 minutes? To- Spalletti arguably is probably going to move on after this season. Would you guys start Totti in this massive game to, to almost to prove a point? To say, look, if you guys think that Totti is that good and he belongs out there, I'm going to start him. And is that is that something that you guys would support as fans? Yeah, I would absolutely support starting Francesco Totti in this I would game. Be, I would be excited about it, but I can understand why he didn't. And, you know, quite frankly, you play the whole season without Totti starting, and then all of a sudden you start him in such a crucial game. My my big issues with, with Spalletti, besides this whole Totti thing, are the other substitutions that he makes. Like, he, we have Grenier for the whole second half of the season, 
and all of a sudden you're subbing him in for Perotti before Totti. Like, okay, Grenier is a good player, but you haven't been playing him the whole entire year. Why now? You know, and then he puts in Juan Jesus for Nangolan. Like, I don't understand that either. These are the kind of things that I think Spalletti has done to really, like, scar his otherwise very strong season is these, like, questionable decisions that really make you wonder if he even wants to be there. So, in my opinion, he's going to be out. And I think that it's interesting that Roma's looking at Di Francesco because Sassuolo did not do that well. Yeah, he's got some history with Roma. But I would be hoping for somebody bigger, like maybe a Ranieri or some somebody. I don't know if they're out there, but somebody bigger, please, because we need to start acting like we're one of the top teams in Europe. You, you know why I think Spalletti is absolutely out? Because all right, let's say Toti does, does not play, right? But he's still in the building making decisions, right? He's going to be a sporting director. He's going to have some capacity. He's still like, who's going to say no to Toti in that building? Right, he's still Francesco. Oh, he's Totti. John Thompson. Right, you know, I mean, John Thompson is such a big figure at Georgetown. His kid gets hired to be the coach and sucks for years, and they won't fire him because it's John Thompson's kid. He's Dick Whittle. Yeah, he is. He's the Whittle Richard man himself with all of the danger. But no, it's 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 a great point. Um, you know, why I think Spalletti is going to be out, and to a certain extent should be out is it looks like he is not liking of this relationship. And a lot of the things he's come out and said, oh, I shouldn't have taken this job if I'd have known that Toti is going to be such a huge figure. You know, oh, no matter what I do, you guys hang me. And then, you know, these questionable substitutions and not putting Toti on here and there. It looks like he's just kind of checked out. And Roma is just, you know, Roma's the Golden State Warriors right now. Like they they don't need a coach. Yeah. Like they they are who they are. The substitutions, the decision that he's making are not necessarily helping the team. This is a weird formation, the four two four zero. You know, going up against Juventus, and I just you know you, you really kind of question his motivation. It seems like he's putting a lot of effort into being defensive and combative with the press rather than being a leader and trying to guide this team to the end of the victory. Because look at what we're talking about. Roma is in second place, coming off. We just of beat the, Juve. Just beat Juventus <laughs> in a in a real gut check game, and management and Spalletti can't get it together enough to make this put this issue to bed. All right, so Forza Francesco Totti, we'll love him till our dying days. Forza Roma sempre, we understand that. We all know where the table is. Juve is just ahead of us right now with four points. They've got eighty five. Roma's got eighty one. We'll see. I'm still hopeful. Maybe we'll pull this thing out for the Scudetto. Why not? Forza Croutons. Dare to, dare to dream. All oh right. God. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that oh. be something? Juventus's streak gets broken at home by Crouton Nation. Crouton, Crouton we'll talk Nation. about some Coppa Italia predictions uh, when we talk about OTFR. All right. Up next, we got Napoli and Torino. This one... Uh, Torino just didn't make much of a game with this one. 5 nothing. Napoli smash hapless Torino to clinch a Champions League spot. Tad, you got this one. Yeah. You know, at the final whistle, Cairo's face just said it all. He had this lifeless, emotionless stare on the pitch. 
You know, he, he looked like a college literature professor watching a student give a presentation on Shakespeare that devolved into why Channing Tatum or something like that should play Hamlet in a decap style Romeo and Juliet reboot. <laughs> I mean, he looked like a parent watching a movie with their adolescent child when an unexpected nude sex scene comes on. Just like, not there. Just like, really? On what was meant to be a promising season with the steal of a loan... Uh, signing with English keeper Joe Hart. I mean, we got millions of miles out of that. Loads of young Italian talent, including the emergence of one Andrea Belotti as one of the game's best young center forwards. This was, you know, a dark horse team that many picked to make a push for a Europe spot. I mean, Doug Dean was talking about that early on in the season. Everyone we're talking to is really excited about one of the smart money dark horse teams in Europe. You know, heck, at the beginning of the season, there were memes comparing Jajic and Falke to Neymar and Messi. And just look where we've come now. <laughs> and now on Mother's Day 2017, a week after derby draw against Juve, Igranata are totally vanquished at home. The Napoli attack left Joe Hart looking like one of the walkers with the chain around its neck outside Negan's compound. <laughs> just swiping and grabbing at air. What do you think uh, this guy's going to do after the season's up? I mean, he's uh, just is he going to is he going to hang up the boots or what? Who's this he, Joe he's, Hart? He's got to get the dip. He's got to get to dipping. Yeah, well, Joe I can't Hart. believe how many EPL teams are at least showing some interest in him after this season. I mean, I, it sounds like Torino's he's done. He's terrible. Done. Yeah, he's terrible. I don't get it. Torino's ninth, 10 points from European spot. Yes, they will finish in the top 10, but with a sub 500 record. But Cairo knows what everyone has known to come true. Joe Hart is whacking Italy with zero league clean sheets in 2017. Benassi and Baselli have not developed the way we thought they were. The Roma rehab project with all these crap Roma players coming you know, to Torino has just blown up in his face. And Belotti and Zappacosta are probably about to dip. Dipset. You know, Torino is not a dangerous Italian team capable of beating anyone when they play their game. They're an ape, you know, they're an average team capable of drawing teams they should beat, getting waxed out by top-tier teams and may steal the occasional point from their superpower city rivals. That's right. They like just, last week, they just I mean they tied, they tied Juve. Yeah, but a derby won. A, a derby is a derby. Yeah, a derby's Empoli a derby. beat Fiorentina this year. That's they true. they burned out, guys. I mean, you know, when you're a team of the caliber of Torino, you you go off of waves, you ride an emotional wave, uh, and then you have this star up front who is just carrying the team on his back. In fact, he's developing a hunchback. I'm really concerned for him <laughs> because he's listed at 6'2 right now. I think in about a year or two, he's about to be like 5'9". I mean, it's it's probably from that the praying motion, the come on, Praying Italian hand gesture motion he's making to all his teammates. Maybe right? it's from pecking cornmeal off the ground. I don't okay. know. The rooster. The rooster. Ah. There we go. Took us a second. All right, guys. I actually really yeah, like that. Go back nice, to your classic nice movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, the ant army that is Napoli showed up, you know, showed again why writers and pundits have routinely rated them in the rankings higher than Roma, even though the latter have stayed above them on the table for basically the entire season. Did you did you see what you know the kids line up or whatever? Uh when they walk out on the field. I think it was Mertens, one of their five two forwards is like 
just dwarfed by this other kid. I mean, the kid had, had to be like. I five warned him about that. Yeah. I warned him about that. Yeah. They got to be selective. You got yeah. you got to pull a kid out of a cradle and hand him to Merton. For, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, Jacarini is on uh, uh, Hamsick shoulders going out there, but yeah, I mean. The, and the, the the rating of the, the rankings higher, like Bleacher Report put it out, Napoli is higher in the rankings of Roma. It's like, come on, man. They have Manchester United ahead of Liverpool. Manchester United's in sixth place. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. But, you know, Drace Mertens looks like he's about to have a Diplo, about to have Diplo make a concept album about him that club, you know, that people in bees are going to grind to. This dude's so smooth. I mean, he plays like... That sound that's made when they pull a sword out of the sheath in Game of Thrones, the shing, that's just the sound that is Drace Mertens. Um, you know, Insigne, man, that boy needs to get paid like he's Sophia Loren's grandson. You know, Ham, Hamsick, you know, he'll be for sure carried to the gates of Valhalla by a Morton Joe. Callie Hone is a male figure skater. And the whole attacks look like they spend their time studying a protractor. I mean, yeah, these- did you did you miss the podcast while you were gone this for this trip? Or are you just writing these things in your phone every day? Maybe <laughs> it's the anti army man. I just wish Jacarini would play more. I have a whole line of things about him. Um, you know, if Roma didn't have Kevo and Genoa left, I'd be sweating Napoli like a fat man at a free dance. I mean, these guys are, are playing really well. These dudes can ball, and I think. Even if they finish third, unless they lose Mertens plus, they will smoke their playing appointment. They're, they're playing opponent to the Champions League like it ain't no thing. I mean, these guys are gangster right now. I, sh- I mean, I signed up for Tinder two weeks ago, you know, after my wedding, so I could break me off a side piece of this team, man. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm right now ready to take that Millick Dillick. Yeah, you're just trying to meet Millick. That's right. <laughs> You know, a goal and two assists from Mertens, including my goal of the week, which was a sweet back pass just to a wide open streak in Insigne that put him up 2-0. Go out and check this goal. I don't know how he knows that Insigne is there, other than the fact that this guy's the friggin' Terminator right now. Um, basically, they, they half-grew him in the genetic lab. Um, you know, two goals and amazing assist to Zillick from Halehon. And a more consistent Napoli would have them in the Scudetto hunt because they're not only capable of beating anyone in the world on the best day, they're capable of embarrassing them. Case in point, Torino, after this game, is not a bull. It is the dweeby kid in the lunchroom holding his tray with chicken nuggets and ice cream scooped mashed potatoes with his elastic waist sweatpants around his ankle because star quarterback Napoli just pantsed him in front of the whole school. So Napoli gets 7 out of 10 on the woulda, coulda, shoulda scale for the season, and Torino gets 8 on the overhyped preseason rating scale. Anything else, Chris? I think we've covered Napoli fairly well in that uh, I have a question, though, right now. <laughs> Napoli, they have the most away goals in Serie A history with 46. Their front four stars, Mertens has 25 goals, 8 assists, Insigne has 16 goals, 8 assists, Callejon has 13 goals, 11 assists. Hamsik has 11 goals, 9 assists. Is Napoli the best third-place team in the world right now? Yeah, I think they're arguably, uh, you know, it's hard to say Juve isn't the best team in, in Italy. But definitely, like, coming out after the Christmas break, Napoli was on fire, man. They've had moments in this season where they were the best team in Italy, in my opinion. So right now, if they're being the third place... Well, the- 
I'm a Liverpool fan. They're better than Liverpool. They're better than Dortmund. Are they better than Atletico? I don't think so. Atletico just, you know, they, they had a chance in Champions League. Actually, you know what? It's it's really hard to say. They just played completely different styles. And so Atletico is good at adapting to opponents. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty hot on Napoli. I, I think they're a really great team. Uh, you know, as far as the league goes, I hope they stick together and take that third place spot and make a run at it in Champions League. So uh, for the table, we've got Napoli. They've got 80 points, just one point behind Roma. Uh, and that's... Uh, Reno all the way down there in ninth place with 50 points. Just rough season for Torino. Expecting a lot more out of them. That felt good, guys. Taking a game. All right. That was good. Welcome back, God Ted. You, yeah. you made up for three weeks and two teams right there. <laughs> lucky Google Doc doesn't charge us per page here. <laughs> Keep rolling, guys. We got Fiorentina and OTFR in the Saturday game. This one finished 3-2. The La Viola give their fans some hope in the home stretch. That's right. Can you believe Fiorentina is one point outside of Europe I right can't, now? I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. And OTFR came out with some uh, of its heavy hitters like Immobile and Anderson on the bench, preserving them for the Coppa Italia final on Wednesday. I mean, they don't have anything more to play for. They're pretty secure in Europa League. But Fiorentina making a run. It's unbelievable. Not much happened in the first half. Uh, but it's a wild second half. Keita bangs one home in the 55th, but it's Fiorentina who turn up the heat and get three goals, Babacar, Kalinic, and an own goal by OTFR. Take that, OTFR. Take that. <laughs> Overall, game was pretty even, but the Viola fans will be amazed to see that their team is one point out of Europa League. They've been absolutely up and down this entire season. Seriously. It's astounding, given their recent form, they just lost to Palermo and tied Sassuolo the last two weeks after beating Inter 5-4. Yeah. It's like, what's what's going on with this team? It's, it's, it's such it's, a serious story, man, of just how much the table drops. Of You know, you hit around this point in the table, man, just the, the level of quality. No one, no one wants sixth. Yeah, yeah. No one. Everyone is finding a reason to not take sixth. Yeah. They're there for the taking. Yeah. I think Fiorentina should want sixth because... Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're not going to be top four <laughs> next year. Um, and they have a lot lot of work to do. I think they're going to lose some players. Case in point, Babacar and Kalinic, not to mention Bernadeschi. Uh, these two players who scored the, uh, this game, uh, Babacar and Kalinic, that is. I mean, I could definitely see both of these players leaving at the end of the season. Definitely Kalinic after the production he's shown. Babacar is a young talent. Fiorentina is going to have to work hard to keep these two players. And next week, they play Napoli in a very huge game. Both in a very huge game. See, I did very well in my SATs. Definitely a must-see with both teams a point out of their end-of-the-season goals. Predictions. I mean, they're going to get waxed out. Yeah, I'm not going against Napoli. I was just singing their praises. Napoli's one of the best teams in Serie A this year. It is at Sao Paulo, but you never know Fiorentina this season. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's an interesting thing that you, you point out there, Marco, because, you know, as we talk about when they're up, and they have the firepower. Like, they have quality, quality players you know, that are capable of going off. I mean, how many times have these guys scored four or more goals a season? And 
Sousa, say what you will, he's still a good tactical coach that can drop a game plan to win. It's just for me on the end, other end of it, Napoli is in straight-up must-win territory. And, I mean, winning on the road, as I, as I just pointed out, they scored 46 away goals this year. I think that they wax them out. However, with the performances that Milan and Inter have been have been turning in, it's really hard to not pull, pull for the La Viola to take that sixth um, Europa spot, even if next year Milan and Inter could go into the tournament reloaded and maybe you know wreak some wreak some damage in that tournament. It's just La Viola, just just to make the storyline of Sousa coaching that team more interesting and what's going to happen with them. OTFR does have a chance, guys, this week uh, at uh, some some uh, trophies. They got uh, Coppa Italia against uh, Juve on Wednesday. What do you think about that game? Is uh, OTFR, it's in Rome, as we've said before. We're feeling like uh, OTFR is going to take it for home field advantage. I think this is Juve's year. I think they're going to win the treble. Now, that's a big, big prediction, but I really do feel that way. When I saw them playing against Barcelona... Uh, when I saw them against Monaco, I know it's Monaco, but just the players that are, are, are coming up right now, Dani Alves just really proving his worth, Mandzukic, workhorse, Iguain scoring when it matters, Dybala, we all know, the defense playing amazing. They've had a couple slip-ups recently in the Serie A, but it's because they, they got so many things to, to worry about right now. Yes, OTFR is at home. Juventus all the way. I think they're actually going to dominate this game after losing to Roma. They're going to bounce back 2-0, nice and easy. Lemon squeezy. Yeah, I mean, as we've seen from Juve all season, you want to guarantee that you're going to lose to them, have them lose the game before. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like you're saying, they have slipped up recently, but they drew a derby and they lost to Roma away, like you said, with all this other stuff going on. So I, you know, Copa Italia, it's a great warm-up match for them to, you know, get some blood in their mouth about wanting to win titles or working towards the treble. Croutons at home, I mean, that's that's a pretty simple test for them. They could beat Croutons or at least draw them and sew the whole thing up with their second team. You know, the the way their defense has been playing. In, in the Champions League, I just don't see OTFR really giving them a challenge. I'm with you, Marco. I think I think they win big, 2-0. I think uh, I'm thinking treble like you are as well, Marco. I think Juve's just built for that this year, so it's good for Syria. It's the best way I could I could uh, support Juve there. So, all right, we've got OTFR back on the table, fourth place with 70 points. And we've got Fiorentina just one point behind Milan. They're in seventh place with 59 points. Keep rolling, finishing up the top five. We've got Atalanta versus Milan. Chris has a game here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I uh, got a 1-1 game here. Milan grabs a point in what felt like a loss here, but the boys of Bergamo don't care. They are dancing in the streets, guys. Atalanta will be playing in the Europa League next season, their first appearance in Europe in 26 years. The boys of Bergamo. Yeah. Now, is that one of their ultra groups, or are you coining that? Everyone loves alliteration. Everybody. I, I like that. I yeah. like that. But we <laughs> could be the boys of Bergamo. Yeah, oh, it, so- it sounds like a tragic story where one of us dies in the end. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, no one's dying here. Uh, let's go to the game here, guys. We got pregame. Both teams preaching. They're mentally prepared, excited for this game. It's five versus six in the table. You got key players saying the right anecdotes, as you would expect. Atalanta's Petania. Milan's an important team with strong players. We're certainly not inferior to them. All right. We get it. But before this game, all the feelings, guys. It's a big one. The crowd is going nuts, and it doesn't disappoint. The Atalanta fans continue to be some of my favorites this year. They unfurl this big TIFO that said in English, you'll never walk alone. So I'm sure that warms Tad's heart at the other end of the pod. Big, fat, single tear. Liverpool fans. Hold on. Before you move on, Milan are an important team with strong players, but we're certainly not inferior to them. I just want to know, Chris, where do you find these quotes? <laughs> it's, who says them every single thing, uh, week in and week out? It's, it's just there must be like a Syria handbook. But of do like, you have like, are you like uh, in Tancredi's ear when he's uh, no. interviewing people before the game? I'm like, not only watching the highlights, I'm reading articles. The th- <laughs> I live to serve this podcast. All right. So there's the quote. Uh, the, more on the game, we got Donnarumma, another just awesome game. He is a fantastic talent in the league for sure. A uh, couple of Save of the Week candidates, one being on Dance Dance creator Papu Gomez's breakaway. By the way, guys, Papu, Papu Gomez's video, I'm sure you've seen this on social media. We'll put it out as well. Um, it's actually 3 million hits on YouTube last I checked. It's so stupid that it's funny. Um, I have not seen this. All right. I, I cannot wait. It's it's literally like the simplest dance you could do, and people are going nuts over it. So enjoy Papu. it, Papu Gomez. But in this game, there was one that got away. We got Atalanta, Spinazzola taking the through ball, angling to Donnarumma, who stops that shot, but the rebound is sitting right there, and Conte gets the tap in. Conte also taking a yellow card for ripping off his shirt with the message, Sei più bella dell'Europa. You are most beautiful in Europe. Bergamo, loving it. And here we go. Wait a minute, some, some swagger from Ladea? Oh, yeah, Talking man. Talking that ish? Taking the yellow card for ripping off the shirt. Absolutely feeling it. <laughs> I'm watching the, the Papu Gomez dancing video. <laughs> he looks you guys like he... keep going on. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to look at this right now, so prepare to be interrupted. All right, Chris. we'll keep with the goal, the, the game here. Uh, the goal went in right before halftime, so Atalanta going into halftime feeling really good. In this game, they're absolutely dominating statistics. They got 52% of possession, shots, corners, everything going their way. But in the 87th minute, guys, Milan finds a way. And who else but summertime? Abercrombie and Fitch, our main man, Delafoe, settling in the box, shoots, gets a quirky deflection that lofts the ball into the net, And there's your goal. By the way, LFO on tour this summer. Check them in a city near you. Uh, And then we got a draw here. But that's enough for Atalanta. They secure Europa with that that draw. And Cinderella gets to go to the big ball. So for you guys, maybe I should stop and ask the question if you're done watching the video since I've clearly lost your interest in this. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm listening. All right. The question for this week with this team. We've seen this. This is eerily similar to Sassuolo last season. How does Atalanta flip the script and impress Europe next season rather than bowing out early and barely not getting relegated like Sassuolo this year? There's only one way. They got to be extremely shrewd in the in the transfer market. They need to cash in on their cash cows. Uh, slash, they need to keep somebody. Uh, because there's one thing to make money, 
and then there's you know and and bring in good transfers and there's another thing to make your fans and your organization believe like you're not just a feeder team you know or not just a team that's gonna just dump everybody after one good season if the management is smart they'll they'll sell some players bring in some good players and and make it really seem and you know basically communicate to the fans that we want to do well in europe well there's clearly a, a lot of talk with that uh, of players already looking to leave particularly the video you guys are watching right now papu gomez says he might be looking for an exit he wants to play for a champions league team or a scudetto contender gasparini always who's going to take the juve job if allegri leaves that's in the works i think kessie's pretty much sold if, if, if he's if that hasn't officially happened yet so you're right. How you hold on to these players, I don't know. That's the big challenge for uh, Ladea Atalanta. Yeah, I mean, they, Atalanta's management showed me a lot this season because they could have bailed at, in the midway break and sold some players and got some money. But they instead chose to go for Europe, and they've been rewarded for that. I agree. Kessie's gone. It really is going to be tough for me to see Conti staying. But everybody in their starting lineup, uh, Toloy, Fruller, uh, Pentagna, they've all been linked to somebody at some point. I'm going to say they keep a lot of the core of this team. They lose um, Kessie. I don't think they sell Gomez unless it's it's for the right amount. So they need to hold on their, to their players. You never know who's going to go. I think Marco's exactly right. It really dep- They have to be super shrewd in the market, and they have to go for it in the Europa League as well. And hopefully no injuries like Sassuolo. So Forza Ladea, Forza Atalanta, definitely check out their social media stuff. They have some great, just Bergamo is going nuts right now, and I love it. So we, I put some stuff on our social media. If you, if you need a bandwagon team, get on Atalanta. I have seen the video now. As if I could not like Alejandro <laughs> Gomez anymore. <laughs> I love that thing. So I think... Papu Gomez's best friend will also be rating and commenting on the podcast today. Very good. We've got Atalanta, fifth place, 66 points, guaranteed Europa spot, and Milan right behind them, arguably, sixth place, six points behind them with 60 total points on the season. Guys, that wraps up the top five. We're going to take a quick break and go to the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million square foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivered installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. Up first in middle of the pack, we've got Inter and Sassuolo. This one finished 2-1 in Sassuolo's favor. Inter have simply decided playing in Europe is overrated, and we're just going to lose to Sassuolo at home. And outside of Kendreva, who must be wondering to himself why he thought it was a good idea to push for a move to Inter, the Nerazzurri played like a team with some skill that was completely complacent and was totally fine with any outcome of the game. If they won, great, but if they lost, no matter. I mean, it's they had the feelings of 
this game like Leslie and I had towards a parking ticket on a rental car in Sicily. It's like, hey, we're going to park here. If we get it, don't get a ticket. Great. If we get one, eh, no big deal. That's a great analogy. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the way Melissa McCarthy makes movies. She's just going to grind out another one and be like, hey, if it's a hit, great. If it's not, whatever, I'm still getting paid. She's still got the Sean Spicer uh, thing for oh, Saturday she's, Night she's hot to she's try on good. that, but I mean, look at her Look at her Hollywood releases. I mean, they played the game they're best at, that being Inter. They control possession on the wings. They send crosses and through balls into the box. Free Cardi and Perisic. I mean, heck, they had 23 shots and 60% possession, but they lacked any focus or attention to detail. Starts off with Murillo with an awful turnover that set up the first goal. And an atrocious black backline defending to give the second. I mean, this Imiello guy who has made no waves in Italy this year nets a brace against him. <laughs> I mean, the question I have, there, there are basically three stories with Inter right now, which is crazy because, you know, in 2010, they won the treble and Sassuolo finished fourth in Serie B. So now they're getting beat 2-1 to Sassuolo at home. There's been a lot of chatter in social media and the news that Inter are tanking to stay out of Europe to focus on the rebuild, basically bringing all these players and make a push for Champions League since those four spots. And there's, you know, lots of this people say that, like, these big teams don't want to be playing these Europa League tournaments, you know, playing this tournament because it's going to take the focus away from that. Is tanking acceptable in any case? It's not acceptable when you're a team of high caliber. You have to be able to play in multiple leagues or multiple tournaments because that's what big teams do. And a team that's not doing it, it doesn't really feel like a big team. I know Chelsea won the league this year and they did big things and it probably helped a lot that they didn't play in differently in the different tournaments. But there was always that thing, you know, there's always that excuse. Oh, they're not playing other tournaments. Oh, they're well-rested, this and that. So a big team uh, is built to be able to to compete in multiple competitions. And if you're not in multiple competitions, well, you're just not a big team at the moment. You know, like next season, both of the Milan teams are, are still have everything to prove. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not buying that. I, I think they're... They fired their coach with Pioli. That that's got to send some type of message that we're trying, and that this this, this current spell is unacceptable. Um, the fans are are furious. They're walking out of games. I, I think you got to try for Europe for a lot of reasons: Being, keeping the fan base happy, making more money. Um, I think those are all reasons that you got to try for Europe. Well, I mean, firing Pioli just had to happen because they were so bad. They had not collected three points since two months ago and they've lost to Crotone, Genoa, Sampdoria and Sassuolo. So Pioli just had to go. Um, and also, I mean, one of the big storylines is who's going to be their coach next year, which we'll get to in just a second. You know, the tanking thing, if that's the case, sh- you know, shame on them. Um, like, like, you know, as you guys pointed out, their, their fans walked out of this game. They're going to lunch. It's gotta be really hard to be an Inter fan right now. Yes. I mean, you (laughs) are in love with this team that is world-class. Now let's say for the sake of argument that 
they're tanking to make sure that they can focus on a Champions League run next year and they're not sidetracked by, you know, A, B, C, or D. Well, I mean, that means that you have a crystal ball and you know how things are going to play out. You're going to get the players that you want and you're going to be able to make that push. My thing is, is you need to have a culture of winning. And even if winning might ultimately impact your short-term goals, whatever that means, like you tank, you know, so you can get Andrew Luck. The, the powerhouse teams and the great teams are teams that play to win every single game because the culture is that they win. Look at Juventus in the league right now. So is tanking acceptable in any case? I think no. I think the long-term goals, how you're going to attract people, especially if your team with history like Inter, is to just really go for it. Now, also, guys, on this, Inter today are supposedly meeting in London with Spurs manager Pochettino, and apparently they're going to offer him 10 million euros a year. So no Diego Simeone, no Spalletti. What, what are you guys thinking about this? I, I don't know. I, I get this is all happening, but I, until it's signed, I just don't care about this stuff. Souza was apparently at the Roma game as well, so DiFrancesco's not locked in. Um, until it's in signing, I, I'm, I don't know. I, the key is that they look for a big-time manager, and I think at the end of the season there will be a few that are out there, whether it be Simeone or Pochettino. You know, again, Ranieri's in, in, in the question. Where's Capello been, by the way? I mean, I feel like that he's the warlock. Um, so as long as Inter picks up a good manager, I think that's sending a message, whether they're in Europe or not, yeah, that they're, they're next too, season is a new season. They're too big of a club not to. I just, uh, the speculation, I don't know. It's just... It's just it feels like well, tabloid stuff to the, me. The divorce stuff's going to turn some people off. But, I mean, you know what Pochettino has going for him? Is he's a big-time manager that has never coached at Inter before. Yeah. All the other big guys have been there. So $10 million a year, it, it looks to me like they're trying to get that position filled and say, this is our guy. I mean, he's only 45, so mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad move. And the Spurs are awesome now, ever since he's been there. So... I mean, they, they, yeah, I agree with Marco. They got to get a big name in there. Um, they got to, to to make a run at these players in the transfer window. And so they can beat teams like Sassuolo. Because I mean, these guys have two points from eight games. Yeah. It's the worst run ever. Inter. They, they, need, they need, yeah. We'll give, you want you want a coach here? We'll give you 10 mil a year. <laughs> but maybe it's a wink to Conte, you know? Conte yeah. is saying you got to get them dollars up. Well, if you offer somebody 10 million euros, That's serious a money. Yeah. All right, guys. We got Inter in eighth place with 56 points. And we've got Sassuolo, lowly Sassuolo, in 14th place with 43. Up next is Sampdoria Kievo. This one finished 1 1 because what else would the score be between Sampdoria and Kievo? <laughs> yeah, guys. This one is what I like to call my lazy Sunday game. It's early in the morning here in the U.S. I'm grabbing a coffee. Helps me ease into the day. Not too much excitement. But there are a couple players on each team that get me boosted and ready for a dominant Roma performance later on in the afternoon. The early goal by Quags comes off a big blunder by goalkeeper Old Man Sorrentino. Really just comes out and Quags steals the ball from him, turns and shoots the ball in the goal. Old Man Quags getting a dirty old goal. 
Then the tying goal is right at the, the turn of the half from Bobby English. Who else? Uh, and it's enough to keep your eyes open as these two mid-table teams really just try to bag a point each for what nobody knows. I guess pride. Uh, no fireworks. Not a lot of chances. You gotta love it when the player of the match is De Pauli getting a <laughs> seven point nine on who scored. That's I guess that's impressive. Uh, tells you everything you want to know about the game. Hell. I got nothing else on this one. I think that's fair for this time of the season. Uh, we've got... But I did see some chic rumors. Interest from Juve, Inter, Tottenham for 30 mil. Now, I know that's the rumor mill just uh, spinning there. And Schick has earned it. Schick's had a good half season. I 30 million. I put it in there for Chris. That's, I appreciate <laughs> it. 30 million for Schick. All right. We got Schick's team, Sampdoria, 10th place with 47 points, and Chievo... Arguably just behind him in 13th with 43. Keep rolling on, guys. Middle of the pack. We're actually kind of done with that because given how the table is settling up, the danger zone is now moving up to not the last three teams, but really the last five here. So we're going to jump ahead. We've got Genoa and Palermo. The danger zone. That's right. I feel so much closer to the danger zone. After shaking Little Dick Richard. Little's hand. Yeah. yeah. All right. We've got one nothing Palermo taking this game over Genoa. And it feels very weird to say that because Palermo has not had a good season. Genoa takes an embarrassing loss to future Syria, Syria B team Palermo. First half, guys, is a volleyball game. This is the only goal, and it's just comical, as you would expect in the danger zone. Palermo's knocking it around in Genoa's box. Header after header. Finally gets one lobbed up. Real high, big arcing, arcing uh, lob shot, I guess. And uh, Genoa's Lamana backs in under his crossbar, leaps, catches, but lands behind the line for one of the worst blunders a goalkeeper can make. Almost as big a mistake as Bow Wow posting a private plane pick and then flying economy like the rest of us. Hashtag the Bow Wow challenge. Volleyball continues, so that is your only goal of this game in the danger zone. one nothing. goal uh, line technology decided it, and uh, it keeps going. We've got one more volleyball on the other side of the field where Palermo's goalkeeper, Fulignati, comes way too far out, almost gets a handball to the point of uh, the edge of the box, leaves the net wide open, and Genoa, trying desperately to get into the danger zone, can't finish this goal off and uh, convert the shot, shoots it wide. That's it. Coach Yurich, after the game, calls the, the result inexplicable, and that sums it up. Genoa have hit a really rough patch here, and relegation, they're only two points above the Crouton Nation, which we will get into more. But um, Genoa has found a way. Yeah. They have found a way. I mean, what was it like? January we were talking about we just were ready to throw we're just ready to relegate him but I didn't really think they'd be able to drop that much they now, beat Juve yeah they beat Juventus I <laughs> want Genoa to stay because I love the deadbeat between Genoa and Sampdoria yeah there uh, I said it that's a fair point but uh, well yeah no one's gonna pick that the croutons were gonna you know rip seven wins or wait something. for that we got a new Derby della Sol with the southern park Crotone versus Napoli or something I don't know yeah <laughs> Yeah, but they've they've managed to do it. Now yeah. they have to win a game. 
They have to. They have two Love games it. left. They have to win one of them. Love it. But I do take the point, Marco. Losing losing a derby would be uh, unfortunate. Although maybe we're going to get the Kiev one back. Just saying. We got to have another derby with uh, promotion. We, we get rid we of the Empoli Fiorentina one. Yeah. Spare us all. Yeah. Is, is that is that the the derby of tears? Small mice. The, the derby of tears. <laughs> All right, guys. So Genoa, 16th place, 32 points. As I said, just two points above the uh, Crouton Nation with relegation. And we've got Palermo down there with 23 points headed to Serie B. Keeping up, keeping it rolling, guys. We got Cagliari and Empoli. This one finished 3-2 Cagliari. Cagliari hold on to take three points at home and keep hope alive for Crouton Nation because Empoli is just one point ahead of them. Cagliari doing their part, man. Empoli must have been feeling themselves lately. I mean, I haven't been around to comment on their recent quote-unquote run of form, which is another, I think, English way of describing soccer that I didn't really buy into, but I'm going to use it. Richard Riddle might say it. Yeah, but they've taken 10 of their last 15 points dating back to April the 8th, including back-to-back away wins against Fiorentina and Milan, talking about these teams that don't want to get in the sixth place. You know, this is what has kept them in the Serie A this season, considering that Crotone, you know, Crotone have you know, turned into Bayern Munich in the same period. <laughs> this is also from a team whose best players are goalie and their best field player is El Kaduri, and he's hardly someone you'd want to admit in public that he's your best field player. But heck, you know, the townspeople of Empoli can feel free to smile and acknowledge the successes of their hometown team to the players when those players go back to their off-season jobs of pumping gas and bagging groceries <laughs> around the city of Empoli. I mean, I hear Federico Barba is a carny during the summer months, traveling the countryside of Italy, building rides and you know, striking out with teenage girls when, he, when they won't believe him that he's a professional soccer player for the rest of the year. Um, but apparently this good streak wasn't enough for the Italian clubber-lang heavyweights Cagliari, who hung three on Empoli in the first half, compliments of Diego Ferias's brace. And after Pucciarelli had his mid-second half PK blocked by Rafael, you, I mean, you just had to think that the craptastic Azuri were about to wet-fart their way into the locker room. But then enter this dude, Miha Zak, a player who's only played 40 minutes all season to come in and make a game of it. The 22-year-old Slovenian, who is about as anonymous as the guy behind you in line at the John, you know, showed a little river dance, baby. He was out there like Michael Flatley as he knocked in a goal and assist to have Empoli lose all three points in a more interesting and resilient way than any of the other numerous times they have dropped points this season. He even set up, you know, old number four Mickey D's menu himself, Big Mac. Calorie just you know, they managed to hold on and win this one for the home fans and Crotone fans and limp into the mentions with my save of the week for Raphael, who's saving what ended up being a PK that saved three points for the team. And that's the game. There you go. All right. We've got Cagliari, 12th place with 44 points, and Empoli make it an interesting there. They're in 17th place with 32 points, just ahead of our next team of Crotone. And here it is, the highlight of the week for me, although Roma beating Juventus, that's probably even better. Chris, put your shirt back on. Man. Yeah, put, it, put my uh, Crotone jersey away. I will, I will say this right now. right now. <laughs> if Crotone stays up, I will 100% buy a jersey, 100%. So if that's any incentive for Crouton Nation, this one finished one nothing. 
Guys, sell the movie rights. Crotone's epic comeback continues as they are just one point from safety. Pythagoras and the Pythagorici. The quote again. There is geometry in the humming of the strings. There is music. Sweet, sweet music in the spacing of the spheres. Picture this scene, guys. We've got fledgling Crotone, the first season in Syria since antiquity. The Tifosi arrive at the stadium. They're ready to cheer on the Sharks. They unfurl the banner, and it's upside down. <laughs> but just amateur hour, man. You, you have to see it, and I'm waiting to see if that was done for some kind of message that I just haven't read in the papers or something, like we won't flip it up until we've, we're safety and, and uh, not going to be relegated, whatever. But it's just adorable, and it fits into this narrative of just this is Crotone fighting for their lives. Um, I love them. Then we're going to pan up to the Crotone Hospital. Yes, that famous one where there was an away fan who faked an illness just to watch their club from a hospital window. Looking at you, Juventini fans. Hey, after spending 10 hours in Prontus Corso and Jumelli, that's totally possible. That yeah. Just, that'd just be free. You'd do it to watch. Yeah. Uh, we've got a Crotone player up in one of those window- windows. Stoyan, who has some wonder goals this season for his club, is cheering on the team with an IV in his arm fighting the good fight and with all that going on we get to an actual soccer game yeah get well soon absolutely the only goal to report in this one a bang bang play as crotone streak up the far flank cross in the middle and famous player marcus roden who is scoring his first serial goal ever with one touch it was a legitimate good one touch good goal marcus uh, the rat roden yeah it does sound like roden a little bit i agree uh it it's it's one nothing. Marcus Roden on a Roden. <laughs> it's right it's right up there with the the Gallo comment before. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he break he puts it in, and at this point on, it's I park the bus, but really Ben don't break for the rest of the game. As the game's rolling on, you can hear it in the crowd that the, the news is coming in. Empoli is losing, and so is Genoa. And hope for the Sharks. Oh my God, this might actually happen. And they managed to hold on in this game. So, guys, they need results here. Um, they're playing Juventus next. And then they've got uh, uh, OTFR to finish off the season. What do you think of Crouton's chances here? My prediction is that Empoli or Genoa, or how about this, all three teams lose the next game. And then it's down to the wire in the last game. Yeah, um, I I would definitely echo that 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 that's a definite possibility. If that's the case, then we're def- we're looking at Genoa is going to be tough fighting Roma. I don't know who is Empoli playing the last game of the season. So, but this is why Empoli plays Atalanta next week, so they're going to get waxed. Tough game. Uh, the Croutons getting waxed by the Zebras, and Genoa is going to get waxed by Torino. Which leaves the last games, Roma Genoa, <laughs> Empoli Palermo. Oh, I feel good for Empoli. And there. the Croutons. OTFR. Versus OTFR. So who comes out with the skin on their backs? Where's the game? Is Crouton up and it's home for them, right? It's a home game for Crotone, yeah. I think. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, <laughs> Crouton Nation, yeah. Oh man, would that be awesome if, oh. they, if they beat OTFR? How can there? you? How can you not enjoy this, man? I love this. But Palermo Empoli in that last game. Yeah, I mean, 
It's the arguably the best race that we still have in the table, uh, right? I mean, it, it, what's what's the safe prediction uh, that um, that everything kind of stays the same and that everyone loses their last two games and maybe Empoli jumps Genoa by you know, snagging a point against Palermo. I mean, Crotone at Torino, that's a wax out. So I think I think you're right. Next week we're looking at three losses, but no, it's Genoa Torino. No, sorry, I meant I mean, yeah, Juventus. Uh, uh, Crotone. Here's my approach for Crouton Nation, if they're listening. You haven't been in Syria since antiquity. Let's go back to antiquity. You go up to Torino. You play Juventus. If I were the coach, if I was uh, Davide Nicola, I would say, guys, I've burned the bus. There is no way to get back home to Crouton Nation. If you don't win this game, you're walking the entire boot all the way back to to Crotone. And use it as motivation because you need a result here and see what happens. Crouton Nation, I'm rooting for you. This is just, I, I'm really just, having a lot of fun. I'm just, having fun. Just, no matter what happens, just beat OTFR and stay up. Yeah. And just have that be the shame of OTFR. Like they're just, their the whole will and season gets broken. Like they broke my Aunt Jan's leg. Seriously, man. After like, the, the Copa Italia final loss. I imagine we have a lot of Romanisti listening to the podcast. They're playing Juventus and OTFR oh, to I end know. the season. I know. They're... Roma fans love Crotone for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, enjoy it, guys. I'm, I'm really pulling for them. This is a lot of fun at the end of the table. We've got Crotone, 31 points in 18th place, fighting for their lives. Just burn the ships, burn just, the bus. Just can't have have this streak at the end of the season and not stay up, man. Yeah, gotta love it. And then we've got Udinese, who we're forgetting about, is in 11th place with 44 points. Closing out, guys, we are actually in the relegation zone. No chance, already relegated. We've got Piscar to end up the week. They played Bologna. This one finished 3-1. Speaking of forgotten teams... This game had some promise early on when boy wonder Matia Destro scores in the eighth minute. Actually gets his head in the end of a cross and gets punched in the face by Fiorillo. Love the, tuss, the toughness that Destro shows. Uh, maybe he is not as bad as we thought. Bahebek, the youngster from PSG, ties it up in the 24th. But right before the half, Di Francesco scores his third goal of the season, puts Bologna ahead of the turn of the half. I'm having a lot of trouble saying the turn of the half. I don't know why I keep putting it in there. The 22-year-old has honestly been extremely dangerous this season. He's really impressed me. Him and Verdi, two really you know shining stars at Bologna, uh, which it is otherwise just a just garb team, just a garby team. And in the 91st minute, Destro bags a brace with, the, with that and it caps the man of match performance. Hey, sometimes the scavengers got to eat too. Mattia ordered himself some dolphin ragu and said, let's eat. Yeah, how long do you think he's bragging about the time he scored two goals on Pescara? <laughs> you think he's going to trim his bangs after this game? <laughs> All right, guys. We got Bologna, strongly middle of the pack, 15th place with 41 points. Pescara already relegated with 14. That does it for the week. Already looking forward to some massive games for week 37. We're two weeks away from the end of the season. We did uh, want to mention there are some teams going down for uh, relegation, but there's already some teams coming up. One team that is coming up for the first time since the 1960s is Spal. 
It sounds like spam, so that's probably going to be a running joke for next season, but we wanted to offer some congratulations to them. They're up in Ferrara, up in northeast Italy, so we'll see what they do. Uh, Games we're looking forward to next week. I think we've gone through them pretty well. It's going to be an exciting week for sure, just because of the different races in the table. Let's go, Croutons! Crouton Nation. Burn the boats, burn the bus, baby. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, keeping track of uh, Roma and, and the top three uh, with, with Napoli as well and Juve. So, all right, guys. Until then, welcome back, Tad. Great to whoa, have you back. Whoa, we got some social media out there, guys. Uh-huh. I need you to have me come back here to whip the sorry podcast back into shape, guys. We're on all types of ill-ish social media. We're on that Facebook. We're on that Twitter. We're on that Instagram. MySpace Chris kills it. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. The MySpace page. <laughs> Rate and comment it's not on there, being maintained. <laughs> We're on AS Roma 360, guys. If you get a chance, just go ahead and check out that website. I mean, it's an excellent Rome ded- Roma dedicated website. Tons of great original material. The guys are really on top of it. It's well put together. We're on there. So obviously a great taste. We're on SoundCloud. All sorts of places you can comment, tell your friends, and we're on iTunes. Go ahead and rate and comment. Look to be here from DeRossi and Papu Gomez, his best friend this week. (laughs) Yeah, great to be back, guys. All right, man. Great to be back. I'm exhausted. Welcome back, man. We'll be back here again to report on week 37. Until then, ragazzi, we say... Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao, 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 ciao.